Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is December 14th, 2020, and here with me as always is my friend who's feeling groovy, astrologer <laughs> April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. Hi, Jen. Are you feeling groovy? I'm feeling super groovy. You see me over here dancing and I'm doing my arms. Yes. I'm trying to generate some energy and, and some enthusiasm here on a, a sort of a chilly, dark San Diego morning. It's gloomy in Minneapolis as well. Yeah, but we are bright and cheerful. And Jen, yeah, the people want to know because you sounded so bad in our last episode. How are you feeling, chum? I'm feeling better. Good. I have just a little bit of some hanging on stuff, but overall, I feel close to 100%, I'll say. That's not bad at all. You're doing better than I am, and I haven't been <laughs> sick. Well, I'm really glad to hear it. And I know the listeners will be very relieved on your behalf as well. Thank you to everyone who sent good energy my way. I yeah. appreciate that. Well, it was a very sultry sounding gin that we had on the last <laughs> episode of the podcast. I was a bass last week. You were. Not a alto, I was a bass. <laughs> you really were. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, this week we are leading up to next week's epic winter solstice on the same day that Jupiter and Saturn will come together in Aquarius. And we are going to be sending out an email to our podcast donors next weekend with instructions on accessing the special solstice episode. So if you are a donor, an existing donor of the podcast, and you have not received that email by next Monday, December 21st, make sure you check your spam folder. Yeah. And if folks want to receive access to that exclusive episode, you can go to BigSkyAstropod.com and make a contribution of $5 or more. You will get that episode, which looks at the upcoming three-month period. So it's a little bit of a look ahead. And you'll also get a year's worth of the Solstice and Equinox episodes. Mm -hmm. So join us on that adventure if you would like to. You will find it thrilling. We are confident. And things will probably start feeling pretty fast, don't you think, April? As we're approaching now the final eclipse, we have that solstice coming up. Mm -hmm. I know Mars is going to square Pluto at some point. In we the have a lot. Second half of December. It's just things feel like they're speeding up. They're accelerating as we come to the finish line of this very complex year. Which I guess makes sense since the planets are not retrograde anymore. They are all moving forward, mostly, I would say. Yeah, I think Uranus is still retrograde. Mm -hmm. I think you're correct. But I think the rest of them are direct. And so many planets are changing sign this week. Yes. The week of December 14th. It was kind of crazy when we were preparing the show sheet that Mercury is going to go into Capricorn. Venus will go into Sag. Jupiter and Saturn going into Aquarius. And then, of course, the very beginning of next week, the sun will enter Capricorn on December 21st and ring in winter and the winter solstice here in the northern hemisphere, summer down south. So it is a very exciting week with lots to talk about. So what do you think? We ought to spring into it. I'm springing with you into winter. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Well, Jan. April. Do you know what time it is? What time is it, pal? Moonwatch! Moonwatch! There she is! Play it! <laughs> oh, I really, 
I really missed our duet last week. I appreciated you doing both parts last week. All the heavy lifting. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it wasn't quite the same, but yeah. You were there for both of us, and I appreciate that. <laughs> it's my job, pal. It's good to know that you'll step in if needed. You know. I got your back. <laughs> you do. Now, we have a very important Moonwatch segment today, and we're going to be telling you all about today's big Sagittarius new moon and solar eclipse. But first, Jen, yes, we would like to introduce our listeners to our very first non-imaginary sponsors. We have a non-imaginary sponsor. It's very exciting. It is so exciting. And it's exciting because we truly love this project. So this week's Moonwatch segment is brought to you by Fauna Bell Tarot. This is a tarot deck that has been especially designed for children. The creators are Juanita Benedicto and Nicola Allen. They are launching their Kickstarter to develop the hard copy of this deck on December 19th. And we have to say, we are completely wowed by the artwork for this deck. I'm in awe of the artwork. It is delightful. <laughs> it really is charming. And I know a lot of people that follow my work and possibly found the podcast through that. Part of the appeal of my website and things I do is the visual element. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of collage work. So I know a lot of our listeners are really keyed into the visual aesthetic. And they are going to love this tarot if they haven't seen it. It's adorable. The Faunabelle Tarot is this beautiful melding of Nicola's beautiful illustrations and the soulful insights of Juanita, who is a professional astrologer and a tarot reader. Nicola is actually a lawyer turned children's illustrator. And Juanita is a librarian turned astrology and tarot reader. And some years ago, they both took big leaps of faith to move to Mexico so that they would be able to follow their passions. They happened to meet at a dog park. I love that. I knew you would. (laughs) Yes, I knew you would. Just love that. And this is where the idea came for them to do a children's tarot deck. You know, kids are kind of fascinated by tarot cards and the images on them and stuff. But of course, some of them are kind of intense. And there wasn't a deck out there, especially designed for children. Totally. And I want to know what kind of dogs you have. Oh, yes. So will you let us know what kind of dogs you have? Because I'm sure other people want to know as well. We are a very pet-oriented podcast, so we know people (laughs) want to know. Now, I really love tarot, but I've never studied it formally. I mean, this doesn't keep me from collecting beautiful tarot decks, and I will absolutely be buying this one the minute I can, because I adore every single card. And while I don't have children, it's also the perfect deck for someone who is like me, who is at more of a remedial level or a beginning level with tarot, or who kind of knows about it, but just wants a fresh take, a very gentle, affirming take. Now, we really want to see these gorgeous cards come to life and become real, live, hold-them-in-your-hands tarot decks. And when our listeners see them, I'm telling you, you are all going to feel the same way. Yeah. So go to their website, starstoneandfable.com, to view the artwork and to find out how you can help them fund their Kickstarter campaign. We'll put a link to both the website and the Kickstarter preview in our show notes. Please check it out. It's really precious. Yeah. You are all really going to love it. 
So let's talk about the new moon. Let's talk about this eclipse that's coming up, pal. Let me start off by saying that this eclipse is a total solar eclipse. It is visible in much of South America. There's also a partial solar eclipse that you can catch in the very southwest part of Africa. Of course, as always, I'll link in the show notes a site that you can go to to check out the city that you live in and see if you can see any part of the eclipse from where you're living. Yes. What else do people need to know? I guess we should tell them that it's today, December 14th at 8.16 a.m. Pacific time. So that's 9 a.m. Eastern time. And the degree of the solar eclipse point is 23 degrees Sagittarius and eight minutes with a beautiful Sabian symbol, a bluebird standing at the door of the house. That feels happy to me. God, doesn't that sound promising? Mm-hmm, I really like it. Sagittarius is generally a little more upbeat, optimistic sign anyway. Eclipses aren't necessarily optimistic and upbeat by nature. They're shifting us to a new direction. But I do like that little bluebird there, the bluebird of happiness, hopefully saying that this isn't letting go solar eclipse. It's on the south node of the moon. Eclipses are always points of change and a change of direction. And when they're on the south node of the moon, as this one is, it says the change is going to come from what we let go of. And when we have eclipses at the north node, it's more changes in a new direction of the thing we're moving toward. So it might be helpful for people to think about what is keeping them stuck in the past. If they have old narratives that they're running through their head, Mm -hmm. it might be a helpful time to think about how to let go of some of that. Mm -hmm. I know Mercury's on the south node that same day, just a couple of hours prior. Yeah. That might be something good to think about. Yeah, that is the story planet, the planet of the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and our lives. When have the past eclipses happened? At this degree, we had one... Oh, let's see. If we go back to a lunar eclipse on June 15th, 2011 at 24 degrees of Sag, that is very close. Also, a solar eclipse on December 14th, 2001 at 22 degrees and 56 minutes. Then we have to go back to June 15th of 1992, a lunar eclipse at 24 of Sag. 1984, June 13th, there was a lunar eclipse at 22 and 45 minutes. And then all the way back in 1982, before many of our listeners were born, December 15th, 1982, a solar eclipse at almost exactly the same degree, 23 degrees and four minutes of Sag. So if those are times that any of our listeners were living through, they might want to make a little note of those years and go back and just track what was important in their lives at that time, especially if you know how to find 23 degrees of Sagittarius in your birth chart. Look at the matters related to that house that that degree falls in. We'll also link to a blog post that I did that will help people find that house in their chart if they're not familiar with how to do that. That's great. Do you want to say for people what it means when there's an eclipse in Sagittarius? Yeah, it's a time when we are forced to rethink how we make meaning of the world. Sagittarius is about religion and philosophy and the beliefs that we hold based on past experience, you know, especially the difficult parts of life that we have to learn how to make sense of. Since Sagittarius comes right after Scorpio, Scorpio is where we are really tested and really we go deep and encounter a lot of the places in which we're sort of fragile. 
and overcoming that and coming up with a philosophy based on that that helps us cope with the world and make sense of the world is Sagittarius's job. So having an eclipse at the sun in Sagittarius says the old beliefs are not getting it done. The old philosophies are outmoded. The old religion has to be fine-tuned. So this is about taking a close look at what you believe to be true about the world and knowing that that's not necessarily the way things are. And it's time to take a closer look at that. And it's hard, you know, it's hard to live in a time when we feel as if the things that we grew up thinking we could depend on have changed so radically that sometimes we don't even recognize the world that we're living in. It's been that kind of year. Yeah, it sure has. Otherwise, I think it's not a bad eclipse chart. Venus is making sextile aspects to Jupiter and Saturn. Venus is almost at the end of Scorpio. Jupiter and Saturn, of course, are almost at the end of Capricorn. And the Venus principle of pleasure and beauty and connection with our fellow man, I think at this new moon, leads to opportunities to actually What I sort of said here, what I wrote on the show sheet was about enhanced status. And I think that's part of it. But it's also about a sense of being drawn into our calling, I think, with Jupiter and Saturn in Capricorn. We've gone through, you know, a full year of Jupiter and Capricorn, two and a half years of Saturn and Capricorn. They're getting to the end of their time in that sign. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. And Venus there, poised on the brink, says all of the things that you've learned in the last year or so or two is now information that can take you in a new career direction or put you in sync with what is your true calling in life. Not what you've been doing just to get ahead or to make a living, but how can you serve the world? What is the gift that you have to give? And I think we all, as Venus is coming to the end of Scorpio, have a much keener understanding of what that would be at this time. Yeah, and interesting that Jupiter is linked to Venus in that way because Jupiter is the ruler of Sagittarius, of course. And interesting, as you're mentioning, there's this energy of like, we're finishing up, right? Yeah, the way I wrote about it last week in my column that I write from my website was, it's like moving house. Mm -hmm. You know, you're kind of, you're in this liminal state where you're moving everything out of the old house and getting ready to move it into the new house. And at the last quarter moon in Virgo last week, what we saw was this finishing up time of that terrible moment when the house is almost completely empty that you're moving out of. But now you're having to go in when you're exhausted because you've been moving all day. And now you're having to sweep and mop and gather together all those little bits of flotsam and jetsam that didn't make it into the other boxes, but you don't want to leave behind. And you're really, really tired. And then you got to turn around and go to the new house and start unpacking boxes and starting to get things together. So we're at a little bit of a tiring moment, I think. And solar eclipses are oftentimes that lower our energy level as well. We've described it before on the podcast as being like a brownout with your electrical system. Exactly so. (laughs) Nicely buzzed. (laughs) So that is where we are, I think, of this solar eclipse. And of course, if people want to know more about the solar eclipse, this one, the, the lunar eclipse that we had on November 30th, or any of the eclipses this year, next year, or the year after, order my eclipse report. I have this eclipse report called Followed by a Moon Shadow. It's an automated report 
But what it does is it helps you locate where the eclipses are falling by house, which planets they're making aspects to. And it reminds you of these past years when eclipses were making contact with the same areas of your chart and therefore the same areas of your life. So if just go to my website, click on eclipses, it'll take you, you know, right to a link for that report. I just want to also mention for folks that there is a special discount code for the eclipse report just for podcast listeners. When you check out, use discount code BSASBS for $5 off. It stands for Big Sky Astrology Small Business Saturday because that is when the discount began. I'll also put it in the show notes, and it is good through December 21st. Excellent. Thank you. Of course. And people do need to know their exact time of birth, right, April, for that? Yeah, yeah. That's definitely with this kind of stuff the way to go. Right on. And I just want to say, I think it's great that Venus is also sextiling Jupiter because how you just described it with the moving house, maybe folks will also find some coins in the couch. I like that idea. You know, there might be something, an opportunity to take something with you that you've learned. Right. It just reminds me of that story I told before of when I was moving out of my house in South Pasadena to move down here before I got married. Okay. And I ran across that little talisman that I had used. I was doing a little ritual to attract my mate. Oh, right. And that's when I ran across that. Yeah. And at that time, it was just more or less a thing of, oh, isn't that neat? You know, Uh but yeah, it's funny the things that you'll run across. And that's also part of the moving process. And I just think symbolically, we're all in a moving process of finishing up a lot of stuff in the last couple of years. And it feels like time to reflect, you know, part of the thing when you're moving is it can take so long because you're putting a bunch of stuff in boxes. And as you keep running across new things, you want, oh, I want to look at that. And, oh, I remember that. And it takes some time. That's good work. It's a good idea to allow ourselves that time now, if we can, to reflect a little bit on where we've been. Mm -hmm. Well, there are a couple of aspects happening in this chart that we should talk about. One is that Mercury is trining Mars on the same day, December 14th at 8.23 p.m. Mm -hmm. at 20 degrees 53 minutes of Sagittarius and Aries, respectively. What emphasis does this put on the chart, April? It's nice that it's a trine, you know, because Mercury with Mars can either be, we tend to speak a little too impulsively or a little unkindly sometimes with Mercury-Mars, but it can also be really getting focused on what we want to do on some big leap of faith that we want to take because Sagittarius has the vision, Mercury and Sag, and Mars and Aries has the oomph. Oh, that's interesting. Because it's starting to pick up a little speed now. I like that because I don't think of Mercury trining Mars as focus, but I like that that can be part of the emphasis there. Yeah, because there are times when we have to fish or cut bait, where we have to make a decision and move forward. This is a really good aspect for that. I think Mercury in Sagittarius is very good at telling it like it is. And out of bounds still. (laughs) And it's still out of bounds. You don't know what's going to come out of your mouth, you know, when you open your mouth to speak. So tell it like it is, but practice kindness. Mm -hmm. We are all dealing with a lot. And it's good to cut people a little bit of slack if you can. Yeah. One other thing I noticed is that Neptune is still squaring the nodes of the moon. And if folks want to hear more about that, they can go to episode 57, Learning from Neptune. That was our one-year show. I know. Oh, 
So people can listen back to that if they want. I'll link it in the show notes. Is there anything you want to say more about that as part of this eclipse chart, April? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered the basic energy of this eclipse pretty well. It's still all the finishing up of the Capricorn stuff. So that's part of this experience. Venus is there to help us derive some value from everything that we've been through. And we are moving on to the next destination, I think. Brighter roads ahead. Yes. What do we have next, my friend? Venus is entering Sagittarius December 15th at 8.21 a.m. Pacific time. Venus moving, of course, from Scorpio, a water sign, into Sagittarius, a fire sign. Scorpio is pretty intense. Sagittarius can be more lighthearted. As you pointed out a little bit earlier, it is always interesting to look at the sign that the planet is moving from because that gives us some information about what the next sign is going to be about just because it's going to be not like the sign that it just came from. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a bold contrast. I mean, most adjacent signs don't frankly have much in common. Mm -hmm. The exception being things moving from Capricorn into Aquarius because they are both ruled by Saturn. But you guess, as you say, you get Venus going not only from a water sign, but a water sign in which it is considered debilitated because Scorpio is a Mars-ruled sign, so Venus doesn't necessarily traditionally do that well there. But it has a whole vibe of like loving what is inherently unlovable, but also loving people exactly as they are, which I think is one of the nicer and less discussed dimensions of Venus and Scorpio. Once they love you, they know what they're getting into, and it would take a whole lot to make them stop loving you because they've really checked you out. Venus going into Sagittarius, which it will be in through January 8th of 2021. You know, Venus, again, is about pleasure. It's about companionship. It's the things that we are attracted to and the parts of ourselves that attract others to us. So Venus going into Sagittarius just speaks generally of enjoying things, people, experiences that are foreign to us. It might technically and literally be from another country, but it can also just be, I was telling you before we started recording, my husband and I took a little walk around our neighborhood this morning. We've lived here for 23 years, so there are not a lot of surprises when we walk around (laughs) our neighborhood other than like, oh, which house has been pulled down this week to put up a two-story house? But we did just go down one tiny little side street that I couldn't remember ever having gone down. And just that freshness of experience, something new. When Venus is in Sagittarius, we want to eat new foods. We want to experience different kinds of music and cultural experiences. It's a very frustrated sign at the moment when we are in quarantine, when a lot of places are really shutting down a lot more tightly because it's harder to get those kinds of experiences. And Sagittarius is really a traveler. It loves to get out there and go places and experience new things. So that is a little hard at the moment. So it's just like looking at things with fresh eyes, maybe. Yeah, and enlarging our perspective on what is beautiful and what is valuable and what's interesting to us. Yeah, because sometimes you can be seeing something every day and not really seeing it because you've been seeing it so much. Mm -hmm. But if you approach it with fresh eyes or that beginner's mind concept that we've talked about, you really can see it like it's for the first time. 
Yeah, you absolutely do. And, you know, one way to do that is to travel far from home. But another way to do it is just explore a part of your home city or town that you are not familiar with. I like that. Yeah. So we will look at that with some excitement and pleasure. For sure. This week, of course, also brings the long-anticipated ingress of Jupiter and Saturn into Aquarius. Yes. Tell us about when this is happening and what it all means for us. This week, we're setting the stage for next week's big conjunction between Jupiter and Saturn. The meetup. Yeah, the meetup. We have been really focusing on this, I think, in part to keep us from getting so mired in the Capricorn stuff, which has been really heavy and really hard. All year, yeah. And so we think, well, hopefully Aquarius is the breakthrough that we've been looking for. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Fingers crossed. And, you know, we talk in the special solstice episode about a whole lot of planets that are going to be going into Aquarius early next year. And Saturn is really leading the pack here. It's entering Aquarius on December 16th at 9.04 p.m. Pacific time, which which means December 17th, practically everywhere else. Now, Saturn was briefly in Aquarius between March 21st and July 1st of this year. And we talked about that in episode 17, Saturn and Aquarius all in this together. That was just as the shutdown was happening. And we had a lot of deep thoughts about that. I know. And it's interesting because, of course, Aquarius is an air sign. To hear more details about Aquarius, you can certainly go back and revisit episode 9. It's Aquarius season, Charlie Brown. But back in March is when a lot of people were moving meetings online and social get-togethers online, Mm -hmm. which online is just in the air, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, literally, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That is how everything has gone. Everything moves suddenly from that physical space, which is represented by Capricorn and air sign, and into Aquarius. You know, it's also the sign of broadcasting. It's always been the sign that's about how we bring, you know, the big tent, how we bring everybody together. It's like, you know, we grew up at a time, Jim, when people watched the same television shows. There were three networks, and that's what you had. Mm -hmm, And so watching TV even or going to the movies was a very communal experience. We weren't all sitting together in one place. We weren't even all communicating directly with one another. But as a culture, as a society, we were focused on the same images and the same messages. And we saw that also in newspapers, people read newspapers. There was a consensus about what the best places to go to for information were. There just weren't as many then. So it's the ways in which we are brought together into a central idea of who we are as a people, of what we want to accomplish. It's a very forward-thinking sign that says there are things that we cannot do individually, which is the opposite sign, Leo, which is individually creative. This is about what are we going to do as a people? Are we going to go to the moon? Are we going to go to Mars? What are we going to do? These are big, big objectives that are represented by Aquarius. Yeah. Looking at where Saturn is coming from, Capricorn, is also a really traditional sign, Mm -hmm. moving into a more progressive sign. Yeah, and Saturn is about boundaries and and the outlines and structures of our world and of our lives. And as you say, Capricorn, very regimented, and also about systems that reward people in authority or in power, because there's a respect for having attained a certain level of proficiency or status. 
Aquarius works very differently. It tends to rebel against those kinds of structures and ideas. It tends to be more focused on the future than the past. Capricorn's a little more past-oriented. It tends to be centered around our hopes and dreams, individually and as a people, as a society. It is about the way we find compatriots who believe as we do, want the same things we want. And there was a strong thread of social justice and civil liberties that comes through in Aquarius. And we're really going to see that with Jupiter in Aquarius, I think. This is going to be a particularly challenging transit, though, Saturn through Aquarius, for people who have the sun or the moon or the ascendant or a lot of planets in Aquarius, Leo, Taurus, or Scorpio. The fixed signs. The fixed signs. Mm -hmm. Because as Saturn moves through this fixed sign, it will make conjunctions to planets in Aquarius, and that can make you feel very confined. It will make squares to Taurus and Scorpio which are also fixed sign, and very entrenched in what they have and what they feel about things. And then we'll make oppositions to people with planets in Leo, which can just make them feel sort of stymied or blocked when they try to initiate some kind of action. Leo. Leo. <laughs> so it's not bad. It's just challenging. It's like this is a time for these signs to really experience some growth in the next couple of years that uh, Saturn's in Aquarius. Well, how hopeful. That's a good way to look at it. It's an opportunity to experience growth. Well, it is. If you think of yourself as going to the gym and you're pumping iron, yeah. it's hard, but you're going to build some muscle from it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not speaking lightly because I got a lot of planets, as you know, in Leo. And <laughs> you've got a lot in Scorpio. So we have an interesting time ahead of us. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, that brings us, I think, to Jupiter also entering Aquarius a few days later on December 19th at 726 p.m. Pacific time. And I'm going to have my Jupiter return. Wow. Jupiter goes around the sun about every 12 years. Of course, what that means is that it then takes about 12 years to go around your chart. Mm -hmm. So this would have been 2008 for you was your last Jupiter return, huh, pal? It actually was the very beginning of 2009 okay. that I last had that return. And can you remember anything that you want to share with us? Well, I was really thinking about it. I think I can probably tell you better through the lens of the chart of our president who took office at that time, Barack Obama, mm. who was born the day before me. So we have the same Jupiter. And he's done a lot more with it. So he's a better <laughs> illustration of what's happening. Oh. Jupiter was last in Aquarius January 5th, 2009 through January 17th, 2010. Now, I mean, this was a really tough, tough year because the economy had just gone into a complete collapse. Right. The Great Recession that. was underway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And January of 2009 was, you know, by many counts, the worst month of the Great Recession. And high unemployment continued throughout that year, throughout a couple of years. So, you know, he was sort of stepping into an interesting situation. Now, he's a person, as I am with Jupiter in Aquarius, which is ruled by Saturn. And he has Jupiter conjunct Saturn in Capricorn. Right. So with charts like ours, what happens is you have both a respect for tradition, which is Saturn in Capricorn, but also you have a tendency to see where things don't seem quite fair. So it was interesting. You know, during this time, too, in this first year, Iowa, Vermont, New Hampshire all legalized same-sex marriages. They were among the first states to do this, hmm, Okay. although Vermont later repealed it by ballot measure in November. So, 
Yeah, yeah. So we started to see, though, that area of progress in our country anyway, which to me speaks of the Jupiter in Aquarius. And, you know, Jupiter in Capricorn is a really tough transit. And back then, it brought the severe financial setbacks in 2008, and then this time in 2020, as Jupiter's been going through Capricorn. Boy, that's really fascinating when you look at it like that, because who is it that said history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes? Was it Mark Twain? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was Mark Twain. That's one of my favorites, actually. Oh, yeah. So Jupiter in a Saturn rolled sign, and Aquarius is as well. So it's not like we're going to suddenly, you know, Jupiter is unconstrained once it leaves Capricorn. Right. Instead, what it means is, well, it's just constrained in a different way, the Aquarian way. And that's a good point, because as you're saying, it's not going to happen in our personal lives then overnight as well. Mm -hmm. With this particular transit, it's going to take a while to see how it plays out. I think it does. And the difference between it being in Capricorn and it being in Aquarius is a lot of a mindset. Hmm. Say more. Aquarius feels more liberating. You know, it uh-huh. feels as if there is a possibility to break out of the restrictions. So we fight against it more is what happens when Jupiter is in Aquarius. And that's why, you know, when I was talking about the preoccupation with social justice and civil liberties, the ideas that tend to move the country in a more progressive direction are usually seen while Jupiter is in Aquarius, because Jupiter is about what we believe to be right and true. And Aquarius just tends to be more forward thinking and to not be afraid to change the status quo. So that's some of the things I think we can expect to see with Jupiter going through Aquarius. Now, again, it's holding hands with Saturn still for a good part of the year. And let's see, what will it do? It goes into Pisces in May, I think. Yes. On May 13th, Mm -hmm. Jupiter's there until July 28th, and then it goes backwards into Aquarius. Mm -hmm. And then at some point stations again and goes forward. Right. And then we'll officially be in Pisces, which is the one we're looking forward to because Jupiter's very strong in Pisces. Oh. It rules Pisces. I didn't know I should look forward to that, but I'm going to now. You look forward to it, Jen. (laughs) I mean, I always think I'm going to love my Jupiter return, but it's, again, my Jupiter's conjunct Saturn in my birth chart. It's ruled by Saturn. And I never really get that big jiffy pop, explosive, you know, happy Jupiter. Interesting. Okay. What next, pal? Next, we have Mercury joining up with the sun on December 19th at 726 p.m. Pacific at 28 degrees, 42 minutes of Sagittarius. This is a superior conjunction where Mercury is on the far side of the sun. It's unobservable to us earthlings here, and we will not be able to see Mercury in the sky for several weeks, but he will reappear as an evening star. What else do folks need to know, pal? Well, the sun conjunct Mercury, you know, it's something we've touched on various times. I don't have anything too profound to add this time except to say, in the last degrees of Sagittarius. And as you say, with Mercury not visible to us, it is a time to exercise extreme caution about believing that you know everything there is to know about a given situation. Again, as Mercury is out of bounds in Sagittarius. (laughs) Yes, yeah. 
will tend to be really motivated to share our ideas, thoughts, and opinions. What a pleasant way to say that. <laughs> They're not necessarily terribly well considered or thought through. It's a great time for formulating ideas, for brainstorming and saying, wow, in an ideal world, this would be a great time if people have a little bit of downtime getting towards the holidays. What is it that we want to do next year? I mean, this is a great combination for journaling. I had a dear Sagittarius friend who served on a board with me and he was the president and he liked to occasionally do a thing where he would say, okay, let's take 15 minutes. I want everybody to throw out your wildest ideas for the things that we might do. I like that. In the year ahead. Yes. Because then you can just say whatever the heck you want. Exactly. If money were no object, if we lived in a perfect world and you could have any wish, what would you have for yourself? There are so many ways in which the last year with so many things in Capricorn has really constrained us. And for some of us, it's made us a lot more inventive and innovative about the way we can get things done that we need to get done. But this is more about putting some mental energy into those images and thinking, well, if all of that were no object, what would I want for the year ahead? This is a terrific day or two to engage in those flights of fancy. It sure is. Well, we wanted to finish this episode by talking about Mercury going into Capricorn on December 20th. It will be in Capricorn through January 8th, 2021. And we last actually talked about Mercury in the sign on episode five, Unboxing Eclipses. Wow, that was a long time ago. Long time ago, but it's also a terrific episode to revisit right now as we're having an eclipse. I would encourage people to dig into the archives and recover that one. This is another fantastic transit for making plans and resolutions, schedules for the coming year, especially those that are related to your professional life and direction. So I think we have a two-day period there of the Sun conjunct Mercury around December 19th in Sagittarius. And then as it moves into Capricorn, it's ready to sift through all those big ideas that we come up with on the 19th and sit down and start to actually make lists. And, you know, I'm going to sit on that day with my planner for next year <laughs> and plot out exactly what I'm committed to, and then also what I would like to get done in this period. Listeners from the beginning will know that April loves to do that every year. I love me a new planner. I just love it. You know, it's interesting that Saturn and Jupiter are moving out of Capricorn and into Aquarius and Mercury and then the sun the next day, which we'll talk about next week, are moving into Capricorn. Mm -hmm. It's like they're tying up loose ends in Capricorn almost, mm -hmm. just finishing the business of Capricorn as they come through for one more month. Yeah. And to remind us that business doesn't end and it always has its place in our lives. Yeah. It's important to have a structure for your life or else nothing gets done. It's like Capricorn rules the skeleton in medical astrology and physical astrology. It's ruling the bones. It's ruling the skin. It's the frame that we hang our lives on. And then the little protective coating that we put around it. Capricorn's always important. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's just Capricorn's the worst sign in the world just because we had an overdose of it this year. It's always going to have a good place for us. And I think Mercury being there for a few weeks each year, usually, is a terrific placement. It can impel us to be a little more pessimistic 
but we might also say a little more realistic, which is good on the heels of that Sun-Mercury conjunction in Sagittarius, Mm -hmm. to then bring it down to Earth so that we can say, well, this is the thing I'm really going to run with and really try to do something with. Nice way to end the week and a nice little entryway into the big solstice that we will be talking about next week. Absolutely. Mercury entering Capricorn also triggers the June 21st eclipse at zero degrees of Cancer. Mm-hmm. This, of course, in Capricorn is at the opposite side of the zodiac. Might this affect people? I think it's significant that it triggers that point. What date was that eclipse on? It was June? June 21st. Right. It was just at the summer solstice because it was at zero degrees Cancer. Mm -hmm. And it's just sort of a wrap up on that, too. As we're going through this eclipse and eclipse season, I think this Mercury says, well, let's look back as we're planning ahead to next year and figuring out what we want to do and accomplish. Is there anything that we thought about back at that eclipse or that we even found out was really not a road worth taking? And maybe we've been tempted again. Oh, maybe it is a good idea. And this Mercury would say, yeah, maybe not. So, yeah, I think that's a good connection that you're making to that eclipse time and just look back to the summer and say, is there anything we left back there that we want to take with us as we move into the new house? Look around in those couch cushions a little bit. Yes. (laughs) You know, we keep these little, this little ritual that I heard about for prosperity where you take a stack of coins and you leave them in the corner of your windowsill which I've done for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And at least two or three times a day, I hear coins hitting the floor as the cats are discovering <laughs> them. <laughs> That's great. I could have money all over the place in this house. Uh, well, my friend, that is everything we have on this epic show sheet. Have we done it? We've looked in the couch cushions for 60 episodes. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I love that number 60. The ones that end with a zero just feel really significant, don't I they? I know. It's because they are. They are. It's great. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks to all of you for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast, some of you 60 times. Yes. If you enjoy what you're hearing, we hope that you will subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, rate, leave a review, because it does help other people find the podcast. We hope that you'll help us spread the word by telling a friend, sharing the podcast on social media. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. Thank you to everyone who showed support during our September Podathon. Each week, we thank one or two of you by name. Who do we have this week, pal? This week, we are giving a Big Sky Astrology Podcast shout out to Tammy Daschuk and Heather Cashman. Yay! Yay! Now, Heather is a woman of total mystery to us, other than the fact that she obviously has fantastic taste in podcasts. We appreciate you, Heather, and we thank you. That's excellent. As for Tammy, I happen to know her a little bit, and the thing I will share is she hails originally from the delightfully named Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. That is delightful. Which I just had to share that, because I love every time I speak with her, I'm just tickled every time I see that. (laughs) That's great. Tammy and Heather, we appreciate you both so much. We really want to thank you for listening to the podcast and supporting us during our September Podathon. You both rock. Thank you. 
If you're a listener who did not get a chance to support us during our podathon, you can always make a donation at our website, bigskyastropod.com. If you donate $5 or more, we'll invite you to the special episodes for the equinoxes and solstices. Of course, you will also then have access to the upcoming solstice episode next week. Yes. You'll want that. You will want that. You better believe you will. That is <laughs> it for us this week. Join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.